It is episode 150, so we're going to do it. I'm going to get back from the mic because I might start shouting a lot, but it's going to be all Centaurs all day. The loss of the loss of podcast. The loss of podcast. Hey, sexy friend. He's making me his bitch. Maybe you want to get a piece of that. Pretty good. I want to talk about sexy teens. I was getting erections. It's a very creepy feeling. I can guarantee that underwear theft will come up again. None of this is relevant. Pokemon, Pokeballs. 750 milliliter bottle of rum. Welcome to the Velocity Podcast. A study in monology. This is your grumpy uncle Peter. He will say words at you. Several times throughout the life of the podcast, up to episode 150 where we are now. So that's a bit of a milestone, so I want to do something special. But if you've listened from the beginning, you will have periodically heard me make references to centaurs. And not in a positive way. I don't like centaurs. I don't like the idea of centaurs. I don't like the concept of centaurs. There's just something about the centaur mythology that turns me off. It just makes me go, no, they're unnatural. And, and this is it. There are lots of monsters out there. And see, this is it. I immediately equate centaurs with monsters. I know in most fictions, when they use centaurs, they're kind people, they're smart people, they're gentle, or they're, they're, they're sort of in tune with nature. But they're monsters. They are hybrids of humans and horses, and they make no sense. And there are other, lots of other monsters I actually quite admire and enjoy. The alien from the alien movies is one of my favorite things in the whole world. Everything about it is, is well thought out. Well, no, I can't say that, because every movie it got kind of worse. To me, the centaur is the pug of mythology. It is disgusting and unnatural and should never have existed in the first place. And that immediately then brought to mind the idea of a pug centaur with a pug face, pug head, maybe even a pug torso stuck on top of a Shetland pony. And you have these little little legs, these little uh, pug legs as he can't breathe because his face is all squished in and he's got these little tiny Shetland pony body and he's running around going... <laughs> There's some ASMR for you. And it's just really clear to me that they're disgusting. I mean, everything about it's disgusting and they don't make any sense. And, and, and I, I just, I, I, re, I recoil from them. From, I shrink back from them like, like a vampire from a cross. Which again, that actually doesn't make sense either because, I mean, any T-shaped thing is a cross. So, I mean, vampires couldn't go into most structures because there's going to be T-frames everywhere. But today, to commemorate the 150th episode of Velocity Podcast which is probably not accurate because I'm sure I messed up the numbers more than once. So there's got to be a plus or minus deviation of, of maybe two or three. But because I've put the number 150 on this episode, it is the 150th episode. Regardless of what the actual number count of podcasts will be, we're going to get deep into Centaurs. So I trolled through Quora for a little bit to see if there were ever any questions asked about Centaurs. And of course there were, because people are fascinated by the disgusting train wrecks of the world so for the first question pretty sensible actually would you rather be a centaur or a merman it's a bit sexist i don't think the question is so much about which you would rather be because really that's just a question of would you rather live on the land or in the ocean 
so my natural instinct is actually to be a merman because it would be very different lifestyle. I, I, it's kind of a grass is greener on the other side situation. But what you need explained to you before you can truly answer this question is what kind of society do they live in? So the only thing we would really know for sure is that centaurs would live with other centaurs. Mermen would live with other mermaids. So the big turnoff for me is that I wouldn't want to live in a society of centaurs. I just wouldn't want to be a part of that. But the thing that would turn me off about being a merman is the way fish reproduce. Because in most renditions, uh, merman, mermaid is, is human from sort of the waist up, which means their genitalia would be fish-oriented. Now, if you know anything about fish reproduction, it's usually not particularly erotic. And this is one of the ironies of the mermaid uh, creature as a creation. Because they are created to be sort of erotic, sensual things that lure sailors into the ocean, usually to drown them. Fish, in general, the female will deposit eggs somewhere and the man will just come along and fertilize it later. So... I'm assuming that has to extrapolate to the mermaid society. And for me, that seems sort of depressing at first because sex, you know, it's a very enjoyable experience. So I've been told it's something that, you know, people spend their whole lives sort of obsessing over because you, you design your appearance and your outward being and your, your image to society as a whole, primarily to engage with other people so that you can have sexual relations with them. People often don't want to be that honest about it, but that is the primary driving force of a lot of human beings' thoughts. So I'm going to say that's probably similar to centaurs because centaurs having the human torso part, I feel like a lot of their motivations would be similar to ours because they do share many instincts. So that was at first the part I was like, nah, I don't know if I really want to give up sex to be a merman, so I guess I'd have to go be a centaur but then if i'm a centaur i have to have sex with other centaurs and that is just off the table i'm just not doing that it's horrible i mean every aspect of that is is just diminishing the value of a soul then i realized that with the sexual functions of the mermaid being what they probably are you would probably have less sexual urges as such because they just have like a spawning period. They go take care of the business and they don't think about it again. And I was like, oh, imagine how much more productive I would be if I didn't spend as much time as humans do obsessing over sex or trying to get people to find me attractive or the any number of things that come along, the baggage that comes along with having a sexual nature. I could spend all that time and energy doing other stuff. So then suddenly I realized that Despite the fact that mermaids and mermen are probably relatively asexual in their relationship to each other, they are probably more productive as a society for it. So that settled it for me because I, the problem is I keep going into these questions, these ideas using human thinking, like what do I need in my life? What do I feel in my life? But changing me from human to centaur doesn't seem like it would make that many changes in my basic needs, desires, and wants changing me from human to mermaid would free up a lot of that energy and time and mental processing power where I'm no longer thinking about sex. So I think that's the one th bit that actually settled it for me. Taking the equation of, of having a desire for existence, a desire to procreate, other than a scheduled time during the year, a season, a mating season, that extra energy, time, and motivation 
would be truly beneficial. You could spend more time creating works of art. You could spend more time doing underwater podcasting, if that's what you're into. You could spend your time reading great works of, of literature. I assume because they are a society, they do have some sort of artistic nature, and that would be something to pursue. Or you could just enjoy the stories that you tell around the seaweed. I, again, how they gather and stuff becomes sort of an issue because, like, again, my human image is that you gather around a fire and you tell stories. That's sort of the old way to do it. That would not exist in, in mermaid society. Would you rather be a centaur or a merman? I personally would absolutely choose merman because I think just at the end of the day, you'd be more productive as a member of society as a whole. Quora question, could a male human reproduce with a female centaur? And then in brackets, hypothetically. I'm glad they put in the hypothetically part. Otherwise, we would have a real problem with this question because centaurs aren't real. So if we didn't ask the question hypothetically, if we asked it like honestly, perfectly seriously... We wouldn't be able to come to an answer. We'd just be talking around in a circle forever because we'd have to find a centaur and actually like look at it and, and figure out how that might work. I think the problem here, and this was something maybe I was going to talk about later, but since it came up in the question, I figure I might as well just deal with it now, is a centaur's genitalia are on the horse part of the body, which means a centaur male, there's no way he could reproduce with a human female. It would... Uh, there is the very famous story about Mr. Hands who died when he tried to have sex with a horse. Well, when he tried to have a horse have sex with him. And uh, you can look that up on the internet. I don't really want to get into the details. Just say there is a video if that's what you're into, if that's what you want to see. And my honest recommendation is, is you don't. But I pretty much know that everyone who's listening to this podcast is going to go look it up. So the question then becomes, are humans and centaurs of the same species? Because what we're actually talking about is cross-species reproduction. And the laws of nature would say, no, a human male could have sex with a centaur female, but that would not result in offspring because the bits are not compatible to actually make a functioning baby. So what the question asker has not asked is how much of our DNA is shared between these two species? Like, is the human torso enough of an element to make the horse baby with human male DNA? Are they compatible enough to actually produce offspring? So my instinct, my completely non-scientific instinct would be to say no, because they're just two different species. It's like if I tried to have sex with a donkey, that would not result in a baby. And Vice did a video on a city in Colombia, a small area in Colombia, where it was socially acceptable to have sex with donkeys, which, again, there is a video. I'm also recommending you don't go watch it. Actually, no, I am. You should go watch it because it's done quite seriously. It's looking at this very unique social situation that this small community has. Having sex with donkeys is acceptable. So... Yeah, go to Vice, look up, I, you know, I assume just donkey sex. Let's allow that you can produce offspring between a human male and a centaur female. Because the issue on the, on the other side is the genitalia and the death that would result from it. You would end up with a hybrid of some sort that was also part of a hybrid. Because when you think of a centaur, you're probably thinking of a hybrid human-horse animal, which is of course not how it actually is, but that is what we would see. 
And what you're introducing is 100% human into that mix. So you would probably end up with a one-quarter horse, three-quarters human being. So the question then is, what would that look like? Because you could end up with a human torso with just horse back legs. So not all four legs, not the full thing. Uh, you could extend the human aspect of the centaur to three quarters of the animal and just have hind legs. If you're going to extrapolate that way. Or you could do what they did in Alien. So in Alien, I think it was the fourth or fifth one where they create a human-alien hybrid and it looks really silly. But what they did there is they took a lot of the attributes of human and a lot of the attributes of the xenomorph and they mixed it together. So it wasn't, a xenomorph generally is uh, depicted as black, having a black outer casing or shell. And the xenomorph-human hybrid was kind of a, a, a white color and it looked more like it had skin over its body. So you could do it that way. So you would end up with more human attributes mixed in with the horse part of the animal. So maybe the horse hair would become human hair. And so it would end up growing longer. It'd be sort of a more shaggy animal overall. When they depict centaurs, it's usually the torso part is hairless, much like, not, not hairless, but has much less hair like a human compared to a horse, which is covered in hair. So maybe just the one quarter centaur would have almost all would basically be hairless even on the horse part which would be like one of those hairless cats only even more terrifying but i also assume the result would be weaker than a normal centaur i think it would be less capable less functional so not only what you've done is taken something that's that's awful which is the centaur and you've made it worse by introducing more humanity into it so way to go could a male human reproduce with a female centaur? If that is possible, you'd be making something worse. When you want to start mixing things, just keep that in mind. By mixing anything with a centaur, you're just making everything worse. So another Quora question. Usually I only do two and then I cut it off and switch to the main topic. But I found a couple, so I figured I'd do all the questions and then get into my own diatribe about centaurs. And this Quora question is, if you were a centaur, would you let people ride you? And hell no, I would not. If I'm walking down the street and someone jumps on me to piggyback, the first thing I would do is throw them to the ground. There's no way I would do that. It's disrespectful. Now, I know in mythical stories where they have centaurs, they have actually depicted the hero, you know, riding on the centaur and probably their magic and they fly and stuff like that, which is garbage because there's no way a centaur could fly because we're not giving centaurs that kind of power because I'll tell you this, Horses don't actually want you to ride them. People think they do, but there is probably no animal that's like, hey, yeah, let's take another, let's take another 100, 200 pounds and put that on my back and see if I can run as fast as I can with it. That's a good idea. The horses don't want that. I mean, we've been riding horses for generations, yes. But that doesn't mean the horses are happy about it. It's not, I mean, it doesn't mean that's what they want. The centaurs having that sort of level of sentience that we ascribe to them, they don't want it either, only they would have the ability to turn around and go, dude, get off my back. Only for the first time in all of history, it would be literal. So one more Quora question, just because, again, I found another one. And this was interesting because it was a question I hadn't taken into account. If a centaur is lactating, does the baby slash foal drink from the human nipples or the horse nipples? Which is a great question. I hadn't thought about that. We have to ascribe to the centaur children the same sort of ratio of traits that we do to the adults. 
They would be born and much like a horse, I assume they'd be able to stand up and move around very quickly. Maybe they can't talk much, but you wouldn't have like a human baby is almost helpless. You have to carry it around and it takes ages for it to learn how to move independently. The centaur babies probably could get up and start walking around just like a foal could. Uh, Maybe they'd be confused and lost and still kind of mentally not sound, but that's normal. But taking into account the size and I assume also the weight... So a human male could probably pick up a baby horse, but not for very long. They start to grow very quickly and they're very big animals. So a centaur would probably have just as much trouble picking up a baby centaur and holding it to their nipples. So I would have to assume that baby centaurs have to drink milk from the horse nipples only because that's where they would be located. They would be able to walk around and they would have the ability to drink from that naturally. But that leads me to a secondary question. Does the centaur lactate from both sets of mammary glands? Because this takes us into a question we're going to deal with next. They have redundant systems because they have a torso and the horse body. So they have mammary glands on the torso and mammary glands on the horse body. If you're lactating in one set of glands, would you be lactating in the other set of glands? Instinctually, I would say yes, which means these poor centaur women would be lactating and have very little relief. We're talking about mythological animals. So they didn't have breast pumps and stuff. So maybe they're feeding other animals from their human nipples at the same time. But all I can really see is that it would probably be very uncomfortable for the centaur women during the lactating process. So centaurs is always a question that's bothered me because where did they come from? How did they start as a concept? Now, my initial thought is always it's a drunk person because I think all myths came from someone who was just off the dome in some way. So my image is there's some drunk guy sitting in a field and he sees someone ride up on a horse, but the horse's head moves down and he starts eating some grass or something. Uh, And then he basically just sees maybe a horse body and a human torso and in his highly medicated mind or, or... having his vision affected by alcohol, he thinks that that's a single creature and thus the myth of the centaur is born. You can tell it had to happen very suddenly because there was no real thought put into the physiology of the centaur. So Sean, a friend of mine, knows about my weird obsession with hating centaurs because they're awful and gross and no one should ever like them and sent me a picture. And the picture is what set off this whole episode. And it was... Uh, kind of an x-ray, the skeleton of what a centaur would look like. And the first thing you have to conceive of is the two sets of rib cages. Now I will post the image he sent me on velocipeter.com so you can see it there. Rib cages serve a very specific function. And the rib cage is like a casing that protects the organs that are held within. So you have in your rib cage, you have your heart, your lungs, and kind of a lot of your main bits. The horse has the same thing. So you have the horse's rib cage and it's got the horse heart and the horse lungs and all those things in there. The centaur, judging from his physiology, has a redundant set of systems. The question is, does it have one circulatory system or two circulatory systems that are connected? Because that brings us to some interesting questions. Having redundant organs... Does it mean I could shoot a centaur in the heart, the human heart, and it wouldn't die because it has a backup heart, the horse heart that's still pumping and making everything work? Could I shoot the centaur in the horse heart and the human heart is big enough? 
to keep it alive? Because I actually would doubt that. A horse is a much larger animal. It needs a much larger, stronger heart to keep going, to survive. So if you hit the animal heart on the centaur, I mean, I think he could survive with the human heart, but he couldn't move anymore. He wouldn't have any sort of power left if you took that one out. So in the grand scheme of different universes, different mythos, there's only one other species that I know of that actually has redundant organs, and that's the Klingons. So Klingons have two rib cages. They have a spine with a protective covering over its spine. This is why it's supposed to be so hard to kill a Klingon. They have two hearts and four lungs, and everything, everything we have as humans, they have two of. Which brings me to the very logical conclusion that centaurs are just an offshoot of Klingons. That they are the same base species that have splintered off. So this might be why they have such a cantankerous relationship with humans. Because as you know, in the Star Trek universe, the Klingons and the humans have had several wars. They've gone back and forth. They've been allies. They've had wars. But it's never been a simple relationship. So that could mean that we, as humans, as humanity, we have a problem with beings with redundant organs. Having the multiple hearts also equates to another animal we know of, the worm. So you know a worm has several hearts, and if you cut it in half, it actually becomes two separate worms. So this is an interesting theory, because now if you have a centaur and you cut off the human torso, will it grow into two more centaurs? Because that doesn't seem possible, but it does have all the functioning parts, or do both halves survive? Because they still have all the bits they kind of need. The human part actually technically should be able to survive by itself. It wouldn't have legs, but it would have all the things it needs to function. The horse part loses its brain, so it would be kind of brain dead. So the horse part would die. As I, as I look at the different aspects of the centaur, I realize there's just more and more questions that need to be asked that haven't been answered by history and mythology when it comes to these creatures. Because when I started designing my own centaur, I was like, okay, we need an animal-human hybrid. What's something that makes sense? It seemed to me it would make more sense if you had the horse body with just a very long neck and a human head. So not the torso part. You don't have human arms and a human chest or anything like that. You just have a long neck, almost like a giraffe, with a human head stuck on top. So it would be a shorter version. So let's say you have the horse body and then a two-foot-long neck and then this little human head on top, that would be a more sensible animal to create if you're creating some kind of hybrid animal to function in your mythology. But I think what they want to do when they started creating centaurs and actually wanted to use them, they wanted to be able to act somewhat like human beings so we could have some sort of relationship with them. So they wanted them to have arms and hands with opposable thumbs so they could create and manipulate things. Because they're seen as, they're often demonstrated as being able to hunt and shoot bows the kind of things that you'd be able to do on a horse, which was exactly the problem I had with Turbo Teen, because he physically could transform into a car. Every problem he could solve in his car form, he could also solve by having a car. So every problem a centaur could solve could probably be solved just as efficiently by having a horse and a human being. In fact, you would have more options if you owned a horse and used it that way than having a centaur, because I could probably get off my horse and sneak into a place because I'm a much smaller being now, whereas a centaur couldn't do that. So they're limited by their size because they're always going to be at least horse size 
centaurs may be physically more powerful, but I think they would only be physically more powerful in the horse parts. So like they could kick with the power of a horse and that could probably kill someone. But I have a horse and I can train my horse to kick someone if it walks behind them, thus still maintaining that ability. So not only are centaurs stupid and dumb and horrible, they're also unnecessary. And maybe that's even the more offensive part because it's one thing to be horrible and awful and, and gross in existence. It's a whole other thing to be completely unnecessary which is what centaurs are. They are unnecessary, unneeded, and quite frankly, unwanted as a concept in the universe. And then my second thought is there's different kinds of horses, most of which I wouldn't know the names of because centaurs have turned me off horses so much I haven't even bothered to learn any of them except the Shetland Pony, which I know is a very, very tiny horse. Now, is it possible to have a Shetland centaur? So this tiny, useless garbage centaur just demonstrating to the world that the only value a centaur actually has is its horse size, because once you shrink it down to Shetland pony size, it's just a piece of garbage centaur. So centaurs then start proving themselves to be completely lacking in value because the only thing they have going for them is their size. And then we have big humans. And so those big humans could supplant and serve the same purposes as a centaur. And then they could ride a horse. The final thing to actually address, to actually talk about, to actually think about is what happens when you get the reverse centaur. So this has been done many times with mermaids. The idea is that the torso is a human female and it's very attractive. It's almost like a siren song. They can't resist the urge to be close to it. But then you have the fish bottom, which is how they're able to swim in the water so well. But of course, that is where the genitalia and the organ and the sexual reproduction organs are, which is the bit that the sailors actually would have been interested in. So if you reverse that so the sailors could actually have sex with the mermaid, you have these beautiful legs and genitalia and whatnot, but you have this fish upper body, this fish head and those big bulging eyes, which then suddenly becomes not attractive anymore. No one ever designed that because it only works as a joke. But the reverse centaur would be a human pair of legs with a horse upper body and clearly somehow unacceptable in society. Weirdly, the horse-human hybrid is not acceptable or attractive and was never made up in mythology, whereas the horse-body-human torso hybrid was somehow acceptable. But we get to the same problem, the same point, whereas why was the centaur created in the first place? What purpose did they serve in mythology? Because every aspect of them is horrendous and gross and awful and completely unacceptable to anyone with a brain. The only thing they have left going for them would be if they had some sort of magical power. So I said again, I don't think centaurs should be able to just fly by themselves. I don't think they should be able to do magical things because I don't think they deserve to have any inherent magic. I don't think they deserve to exist at all. I think we've established that. But they don't get to be half horse, half human, and also magical. That just seems silly. As I said, Sean sent me some pictures of centaurs. The one where it's like an x-ray of the skeleton. Uh, the one where it's like a skeleton of a, a centaur. And the reverse hybrid is actually going to be posted at the same time. So if you listen to this, please visit Velocipeter.com. I don't try to push you there all the time. But in this case, you probably want the visual image that goes along with what I've been talking about please visit velocipeter.com, find this post. It's going to be called Centaurs. It's episode 150. 
And you can see the pictures that inspired me to go on this little adventure. But most importantly, thank you for listening to 150 episodes of Absolute Drivel. And if you like this content, you may enjoy Ninja News Japan, which is my other podcast where I talk about Japanese news and try to inject a little bit of cultural insight into it. That can be found at ninjanewsjapan.com or if you search most podcast apps, you'll just find it. Ninja News Japan is pretty easy. To finish off, everyone in the world should despise centaurs. Hey, sexy friend. He's making me his bitch. Thank you for listening. If you have questions or comments, you can tweet at VelociPeter or email VelociPodcast at gmail.com. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast or go to VelociPeter.com slash podcast. But every problem he could solve...